We're going to conclude tonight our studies in the book of Jonah. And next week move on, God willing, to begin a new series of studies focusing upon grace. So tonight's final worship song there was very appropriate. Grace. Going to try and contemporize these new studies next week onwards. Next Sunday night onwards on grace. And uh, I've called next week's study, When Everything is Really Bad, There's Only One Word for It. <laughs> when Everything is Really Bad, There's Only One Word for It. So that's next week's study. So if that whets your appetite, then please come along next Sunday night as we begin this new series on grace. We're going to read together from the book of Jonah, thinking tonight about Jonah's complex. The context, of course, is clear from chapter 3, that upon Jonah's message, the people of Nineveh, all 120,000 of them, it seems, including the king, repented. And God saw their repentance, honored their repentance, and had compassion and turned from his wrath. So chapter 4, verse 1, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at the place east of the city. Though he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. For well, the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? This is the word of God. Let's pray a blessing. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, how precious it is to gather as the family of God in Christ. As we gather here 
sharing fellowship, enjoying one another's love and support and friendship and prayers. How wonderful it is that God is here in our midst. We thank you, Father, for your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that in spite of all that has gone before these last seven or so days, we thank you, Lord, that you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You've never turned your back on us. We thank you, Lord, that our circumstance and situation has weighed heavy on your heart. We thank you, Jesus, that you have been so moved for us that you have not stopped praying to the Father in our defense for our cause, for our concern. Such is the wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do commend each other to you again, Lord, as we gather here all manner of emotions, confused perhaps, certainly emotionally bruised and battered, if not physically. So many questions we find difficult to answer. So much anger perhaps. Father, we thank you that you look down from heaven and you simply love us for who and what we are. And you long to come tonight and touch us. And all you want of us is to look up, cast that simple childlike eye of faith heavenward and receive. Might we receive from you tonight, Lord. Flood our hearts and lives with your peace. Reassure us of your presence. We ask these things as we come around your word. It's a challenging word, Lord. It, it's a searching word. Easy, Father, for us to, to stand in a corner together tonight and point the finger of accusation in Jonah's direction. But, oh, Father... Perhaps we this last week have been like Jonah was. <laughs> Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Very quickly, my friends, I want to conclude these studies by focusing our thoughts on what is, I believe, one of the most astonishing parts of the book of Jonah. Here, friends, we witness the unthinkable, the unbelievable, the irrational. Arguably, we witness sin at its worst. Particularly when you consider the one who is sinning. For he really ought to have known better. We witness the one who was the beneficiary of the wonderful, undeserved grace and mercy of God simply 
unable, it seems, to accept that others might enjoy the same. It's even more shocking when we understand that this person was a prophet of God. A minister of the gospel, if you like. We know the story well. The people of Nineveh accepted the message that was brought by Jonah. And they repented. And God honored their repentance. And God affirmed the work that was done through Jonah. And withheld his wrath. Jonah had seen God at work in amazing ways in his own life. And now he sees God at work in amazing ways in the lives of those in Nineveh. A revival, nonetheless. Sheer common sense would dictate that Jonah would be happy at what was taking place. Sheer common sense would dictate that the man, the woman of God, the people of God would be happy that God had extended grace and mercy to a repentant sinner. But here is the unthinkable. It displeased Jonah. Verse 1 we read, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. How do we explain what appears to be an irrational reaction on the part of Jonah? Two very simple thoughts, very quick thoughts. Firstly, Jonah's complex. And then we'll conclude by looking at Paul's contrast. Jonah became, I guess, unbalanced in his judgment and his behavior. Even after seeing God at work in extraordinary ways, Jonah developed a complex. What is a complex, you ask? Well, a complex is a word in psychology to denote unbalanced thinking. It's a kind of obsession, a kind of preoccupation with an idea that is grounded in projection rather than in reality. We speak of a person who has a chip on his or her shoulder. That is a complex. We may speak of a person who is forever feeling sorry for him or herself. Forever feeling persecuted. Feeling that nobody understands them. That is a complex. A complex is a result of repression. And repression, psychologists tell us, is a kind of defense mechanism we use unconsciously to avoid pain. When we face a situation, friends, that is too painful for us, we endeavor to brush the situation, to brush the reality aside. 
into our unconscious self and replace the reality with an idea that we nurture. We give credence to the idea, an idea that's based not in reality, but in projection. And thus, as we attempt to defend ourselves, we develop a complex. Jonah had a complex. His complex, well, to simplify it, I'm sure, I believe he took the work of God too personally. Can you do that? You're thinking to yourselves. Well, yes. He took the work of God too personally because he took the work of God for his own work. He became so involved that he thought the outcome of the work was no longer up to Yahweh, his God, but was up to him. He becomes so involved in the work that he forgot whose work it was. He forgot it was the work of God. Because he had been the object of extraordinary dealings, both in the fish and then in the Nineveh revival, Jonah began to think that he had some kind of monopoly on on the glory of God, some kind of monopoly on the blessing of God. In fact, some scholars suggest that it could be argued that Jonah became so obsessed with his reputation as a prophet that he wanted personal vindication of his prophecy more than he wanted to see Nineveh spared. Jonah wanted vindication. He wanted to go to the edge of the city and watch Nineveh burn. And perhaps as he did, one or two people would come by and say, Well, Jonah, you were right. And he would say, Yes, yes, you, you are right. I was right. Jonah took the work of God too personally. And friends, if we're not careful, we can be guilty of the same. We as a church want to see ourselves blessed, do we not? Well, we must be careful of falling into a kind of Jonah complex. We must be willing to let God be God and manifest His glory and manifest His blessing wherever and whenever He wants to do it. And if God wants to bless people in another place, in another church, can we rejoice when He does? Even if it seems He passes us by. Ah, you're nodding. I read this week a quote from Kevin DeYoung who says, we don't really want to see revival until we're just as happy for it to start in the other church. 
Churches can get so involved in their work as they see it. That they think they are the only church. They think that they are the only chapel. They think they are the only congregation worth God's blessing. And when God blesses the chapel down the road, when God blesses, arguably, Temple Baptist Church much more than He blesses Koipemine Community Church, we develop a kind of Jonah complex. And we get angry with God because He has not blessed us likewise. <gasps> Surely, we are more worthy of blessing than, than temple. Surely, if anyone in Pontypreth are the children of God, Coid Penmine are the children of God. Revival is when we are as happy with the blessing of temple as we are with the blessing of God in this place. If God is going to bless me, says the Jonah complex, I don't want Him to bless you. <laughs> Jonah needed Reinitiating into the principles of the glory of God. He needed to be reminded of his depravity. Jonah needed to understand that God needs no precedent to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, where he wants to do it. Jonah needed to understand that God does not have to do anything twice. Just because he did it in one place, he doesn't need to do it in another. Well, we look at Jonah and we condemn him. It's fine, I'm sure you are. I, I did. <laughs> but be careful. The Jonah complex. In an attempt to help us understand the remedy for a Jonah complex, I want to contrast the life of Jonah... A man who loved his own reputation more than he loved the glory of God with the life of the Apostle Paul. A man who loved the glory of God more than his own vindication. I can only guess how Paul arrived at this place in life and ministry. I can only speculate what great fish had swallowed him or what lessons he learned during his time of exile in Arabia. However, one thing I know about this man, Paul, is that Paul saw himself as a servant. He saw himself as a slave. And it was that mindset, I believe, that guarded him against a Jonah complex. He could say, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, We do not preach ourselves. But Jesus Christ is Lord. You see the difference? Jonah had become preoccupied with himself. Granted, he'd seen the blessing of God. But he'd become more important. Paul says, no, no, no. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus. He also learned 
the Apostle Paul not to take things personally. He said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6 verse 12, For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, if flesh and blood said anything derogatory against Paul, Paul did not take it personally. You see, he knew that the devil was behind it. And he understood who his enemy really was. If we're going to succeed in ministry, friends, we have to learn this lesson well. Yes, it's about self-denial. But also, my friends, not to take things personally. If somebody rebukes you for your ministry, it is not you they rebuke. It is the one whom sent you. If somebody says something derogatory about the message that God has laid upon your heart, it's not you they're speaking derogatory remarks about. It's the, the message of God. In the same way, the Apostle Paul, when he was being used amongst the Corinthians, he could say, 1 Corinthians 3, 6-7, through 7, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You see, friends, Paul saw himself as a slave. And his humanity as a treasure. A treasure... Something he could cherish and enjoy. Because he says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, We have this treasure in jars of clay, so that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I find it extraordinary that the Apostle Paul, when you compare him to Jonah in this way, showed how he completely avoided the complex syndrome. Why? Because he was abandoned to the will of God. It's not about Paul. It's all about him. And look how he continued. See what mindset that produces, Second Corinthians 4. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. You see, he didn't take it personally. Jonah, on the other hand, took it personally. We are hard crushed on every side, and woe is me, said Jonah. Why? Because he was consumed with himself. He was preoccupied with his own self-importance. He was the prophet of God. But Jonah says, Paul says, I am hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. I love that. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This was an extraordinary thing about Paul. He appeared quite free of a complex. Why? Because it was all about his God and nothing about him. Jonah, however, could not avoid, it seems, showing how utterly selfish and carnal he was. Friends, it wasn't that Jonah did not know the truth. I believe firmly he knew the truth. His problem was, however, he repressed the truth that he knew. 
The truth that he knew was repressed and therefore to him was mere theory. There was nothing wrong with his theology. He was angry because he failed to put his theology into practice. He was angry because he was not living according to what he believed. Ah, there are many angry Christians, aren't there? And I'm not referring to righteous anger either. Angry Christian. Often because we don't put our theology, what we believe, into practice. Whilst we say that Jonah's theology was sound, it was only sound in theory. But by way of contrast, Paul's theology was alive. Paul lived by his theology. It was fresh. It was vigorous. And how do we know this? Well, put simply, whilst Jonah said, I knew... Paul said, I know. And I end with that. How's your testimony? Jonah's testimony should have been far better. But notice in chapter 4, verse 2, he testifies, I knew that you were a gracious God. How sad. How tragically, tragically, tragically sad. Past tense. But Paul could say, Second Timothy 1 verse 2, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him to that day. He could say in Romans 8 verse 28, I know that in all things God works for good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I could go on quoting Paul. You see, for Jonah, it was all past. I knew. And he became self-obsessed. And he lost the blessing. For Paul, it was all, I know. His testimony was bang up to date, wasn't it? And it was all about Christ. And the blessing fell. How do we avoid, my friends, a Jonah complex? It's quite simple, really. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. I do what I do here in this place for His, king, his, his kingdom's sake. To glorify Him. That's what we do what we do here for Jesus. It's all about Him. But be careful, friends. Lest, like Jonah, we develop a complex. Maybe we can be forgiven for developing one thus. We've been the butt end of a joke, perhaps. Or a sly comment. Or a nasty remark. And it hurt. Remember who it hurts first. When someone cries raka towards you, when someone mocks and ridicules you, remember if you're born again of the Spirit of God, it is the Spirit of God that they curse. Not you. You're hidden behind the cross. Don't take it personal, my friend. Don't take it personal. It's all about Jesus. He'll take it on the chin for your sake. So we might feel, well, I have a good reason to feel the way I feel. 
perhaps. But Jesus went all the way to the cross to save you from feeling in that, that way. It's all about Jesus. And so we look at Jonah and we, we think, oh, bless him. He couldn't rejoice when grace and mercy was extended to the pagan Ninevites. I wonder, if, I wonder how we'll feel tomorrow if grace and mercy was extended to those who were involved in the atrocities of the 22nd of May. Or involved in the atrocities of, of 7-7. Or involved in the atrocities of 9-11. How would we feel? How can God have mercy on them? Be careful. That's how Jonah felt. How could God have mercy on them? The Ninevites. Let's just rejoice in the wonder of a God of grace and a God of mercy who even now is endeavouring to extend that grace and mercy to those who from our point of view are beyond redemption. Never beyond His, so long as they have breath in their lungs, even the penitent thief on the cross found grace and mercy at the foot of Christ. Did he deserve it? Not a bit of it. And yet Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, friends, it's all about perspective. And we can rise above the atrocities of the 22nd of May by thinking about Jesus. We can rise above all the hatred, all the lies, all that debauched mindset and ideology by thinking about Jesus. It's all about Him, His will, His purpose. And His coming again. And I stand by what I said at the bedside of my sister Louise. It reminds me that we're in the end times. And Jesus is coming soon. And friends, there's no time for the people of God to develop a Jonah complex. There's no time for us to be huffing and puffing about how hurt and how damaged and how upset we are. There's no time for whilst we do just that, men and women, boys and girls are blown into hell. There's no time. It's all about Jesus. Father, we thank you for these scriptures. They rebuke us, of course they do, but they encourage us. For you are a God of grace, a God of mercy. And you have chosen us, as David said, chosen him to be a messenger of this message of reconciliation, to be an ambassador for Christ. Who are we, Lord? And yet you've chosen us. Save us from a Jonah complex. Even when the world, the flesh and the devil, even when the church turn against us. Save us, Lord.
For it's all about Jesus. It's all about the saving work of Christ. It's all about the proclamation of the gospel message, the blessed euangelion, the good news. Use us, Lord, for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, Amen.